Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But if you're ready to level up your life and get results that truly matter in your health, business, mindset, and relationships, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Sheer Madness, where we have unscripted, real conversations with the world's top athletes, entrepreneurs, and coaches. Discover real world and tactical advice from the best in the business. Let's go. What up, everyone? It is an extremely extraordinary time that we're in right now. We are in the midst of a full-on lockdown, COVID-19, and if you're like me, you're probably at home right now, (laughs) not really able to leave your house. So I know right now everybody is stressed, we're scared, a lot of people are hoarding unnecessary items such as toilet paper and paper towels, cough, cough. So today I wanted to bring on a special guest. She's actually a very close friend of mine. Her name is Farahana Kassam, and she's a mindfulness coach. She's also an author and a loving mother, but Farahana has such an incredible outlook on um, embracing the present moment, which is a, essentially what mindfulness is. And with everything going on right now with COVID-19, I think we could all use a little bit of mindfulness and presence in our life. So I'm really excited for her interview today. I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I use mindfulness myself Um Many of you guys may know, but I come from a history of a lot of my own trauma, and I've struggled myself with living in the past, Um, and that's something that I have been greatly able to overcome by using mindfulness as a practice like meditation, but also using it on a day-to-day basis. So studies have shown that mindfulness... um, is very helpful in lowering stress levels, reducing harmful ruminating of the past, protecting against depression, anxiety. And as you know, I'm a nutritionist, and lowering those stress levels, cortisol, is going to make a huge impact in your overall health and well-being as well, too. So without further ado, Farahana. So mindfulness is the awareness of the present moment. Um, And that just seems like a pretty simple uh, definition, Um, but I want to just bring light to the fact that, um, you know, not very often do we uh, spend time thinking about the present moment. And what we do spend time on usually is the past, Um, you know, what happened in the past, why didn't it happen a certain way. We also um, uh, are always questioning the future because we don't know. The future is uh, is, um, the unknown. And so you know, how do we deal with the uncertainty of the unknown? So we're either stressed out about the unknown or we're like afraid about the, the past and we're nowhere um, in the present moment. And so mindfulness is the awareness of the present moment. Um, we pay attention on purpose intentionally um, and we do that without judgment. So how did you get started into the mindfulness practice, which I know like there's mindfulness that we do on a daily basis, which is kind of like what you talked about being more present in um, the current moment. But how did you 
make this into more like a career for yourself and make that something that you really wanted to hone in on and focus on with your life? So I got into it actually, um, it's going to be about a little over four years ago. And um, the way I got into it, I was actually going through a really difficult time in my life. I was going through divorce. And so that, I, I, you know, when you talk about divorce, you know, you can totally understand that the person who's going through that type of a difficult experience um, is going to be stuck in resentment of the past, you know, thinking about the past, what it was like, why did it change, all of that. And there's going to be um, a great amount of anxiety about the unknown future because a certain life that you lived while you were married was a certain way and then all of a sudden it's not. So how do you kind of deal with that change? Because if you're going to be stuck either in the past and or in the future, you're nowhere in the present moment. And so um, I, I didn't even know it was called mindfulness. I just really started to realize that if I was going to be stuck in the past or the, uh, or the future, um, I, wasn't, I was losing my focus and I was losing my attention in what was going on right now. And that was affecting me at work. Um, I had a job at that time. Um, I, was, I was not able to focus on the present, doing my tasks at work. Um, and, and really even parenting my son became very, very challenging because I was in a mentally and emotionally very um, vulnerable state, as you can imagine, because of divorce. And um, so I decided to really try and focus as best as I can on the present moment. Um, and what I started doing was uh, meditating, actually. Um, and we can talk a little bit in, in, in a bit about the difference between mindfulness and meditation. But I really started to um, cultivate a, a meditation practice in my everyday. Um, and in doing so, I learned to just focus on now. So I dedicated, you know, whatever amount of minutes per day um, on, that mind, uh, on that meditation. Um, and the more I did it, the more I realized that I was able to take time out of my daily life and really focus on, on that meditation practice. And so that's kind of how it started. Um, and, you know, it kind of made me realize the impact that it, it was beginning to have on my life. Um, I was able to better manage um, emotional situations, um, uh, recognize when I was kind of being more reactive in those situations, and cultivate a space for myself where I felt safe and um, was able to just receive uh, myself through compassion. Um, and in doing so, then also as a mother, uh, when I witnessed my son going through his emotions, because obviously it was a changing time for him, um, with the divorce and the separation of his parents being together, um, I was able to have conversations about, you know, how do we manage emotions when they do get um, out of hand? And so that's kind of how the practice started. And, um, and now I'm here because I realized the impact that it made in my life. And I felt it was really important to share my experiences, my continued experiences with mindfulness um, with whoever is open to learning and kind of improving their quality of their life. Yeah. So like I've been more aware, I've, I like I call it like my awakening that I've had this entire last year. Um, for those who haven't listened to some of my other podcasts, I have talked a little bit about, I've gone through a breakup um, and that kind of has been my awakening where I really had to sit back and reflect on my own life. Um, and this is kind of when I got more into the mindfulness and the practice of it and living it on a day-to-day -day basis, um, doing meditations, kind of really just focusing on my mental health and 
personally, I didn't realize the power of our thoughts and how that creates our current emotional state, our reality. I know personally, I suffered with a lot of anxiety, a lot of negative self-talk. And for me, it was really difficult to differentiate between that and how it was creating my present reality. Like I knew, yes, like I was dealing with these emotions of my breakup and these things through my past, but I didn't really associate it with how I was in the current moment. And I didn't really realize that I was actually reliving a lot of these past memories, whether that be from my childhood, whether that be from my breakup, whatever they may be, I was reliving those emotions over and over and over in my head. So, you know, I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, yes, I should be more present. I should be more aware. I should, um, you know, focus more on what's in front of me. But like, what advice would you give to someone as to why that is so important. Why is it important to be present besides just being able to focus more on what we are doing with the task at hand, whether that be like a person that we're talking to or, you know, maybe a project we're working on, but what really is like the benefit of, I guess, focusing on mindfulness, really active mindfulness through like meditations and also just living it in our day-to-day life? Um, that's a great question. So as far as... Um the pro- like you focus on the present moment, you, you are more attentive, you're more intentional and more purposeful in, in your daily living. However, what it does is it allows you a space and I, again, a safe space to receive whatever emotions come up in that moment in a manner that's non-judgmental. The, um, the practice of mindfulness is done with a non-judgmental attitude. What I find that we as a society have kind of upheld this notion that, you know, when difficult moments come up in our life, when difficult experiences come up in our life, whether it's death of a relationship, physical death, if we get diagnosed with, you know, a terminal illness, whatever those traumatic events are, we're supposed to quickly move on from them. I think mindfulness is kind of a mirror to really help you reflect back on um, showing up more authentically and honestly. Um, and not hiding those emotions, especially when they come up, when they're difficult. Um, and just kind of sitting with them and honoring them because I think, like you said, sometimes it's hard to decipher whether um, an experience we're going through, uh, I mean, and the way we're reacting to it is something that has happened immediately in our life or most, most recently in our life, or whether it's something that happened when we were, when we were children. Um, And um, the conditioning of that and how we handle those situations from childhood kind of comes into um, adulthood. And it's not necessarily always the best way of dealing with difficult situations. And so, um, yes, let's look at this present moment. And when we get triggered or when we're reminded through, you know, maybe a memory or a photo that we saw of someone or a song that we heard on the radio that reminded us of something, you know, what is our automatic uh, reaction to it. So let me go back with and use the um, example of a song on the radio, right? If you've been in a loving relationship um, for a few years and then you have a breakup and your you know first dance song comes on the radio, and as soon as you listen to it, you have one of two choices. You're either going to switch the radio station and listen to something else, right? Or you're going to allow yourself to sit in it and then notice all these emotions come up. Um, receiving that present moment, allowing yourself to uh, relive that situation, relive the experience of that situation and allowing the emotions to come up 
is really permission that you're giving yourself to feel that emotion again. And, and, and in, in feeling it and, and acknowledging that it's still there, we're able to work on releasing it. But if we continuously suppress that in a manner where we switch the radio station to another channel, right, then we have suppressed that and we're not ready to deal with that situation because it's too difficult. Because quite honestly, when things are difficult and emotions come up, um, it's hard to look at that. You know, it's hard to kind of look at stuff that's in the past and you feel like you moved on. But when we're triggered by these, by these situations, like a radio station or a song or what have you, you realize that there are some unhealed emotions that we have kept suppressed for a long time. And so instead of judging it, or instead of saying, you know, 10 years have passed and I shouldn't be feeling this way, or I should have gotten over it by now, instead of doing that, allowing, giving ourselves the freedom and permission with compassion and non-judgment to let it come up so that we can look at it and see how best we can heal it is the best way to um, then release it and, 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 and get that healed. Does that make sense? It does. You know, and I think myself included, how I used to think even with just our normal, what was that video we watched? It was just like the, our programmed normal thought processes are very reactive. I forget the word that he used, but it was like the, our baseline mental thoughts that we always go back to. They're very reactive. It's easy to get angry in a situation. And, um, really when I kind of think of consciousness or uh, mindfulness even too, it is becoming an observer of your thoughts as well too. So like when you're going through a trigger, like you mentioned, um, you get a text from an ex or, you know, that song comes on on the radio, you know, all of these emotions come flooding in. That's going to be the normal body response. But then yeah. someone who is being mindful or conscious, they become observer of the thoughts, correct? So they're kind of just looking at it from like, almost like a, a second person being like, hmm, I'm feeling this right now and I'm feeling this. Why am I feeling this right now? What is the story that I'm creating? What are these emotions I'm feeling? What are the behaviors that are coming from it? So you're trying to understand, but I think most of us who go through life on this autopilot mode, just repetitive, repetitive, we're more reactive. Something happens and we react. Something happens and we react, which is the normal mindset that we're all in. So. Um, I want you to talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, the conscious mind and the subconscious mind on a day-to-day -day basis and how that relates to mindfulness. Um, mindfulness helps us better tap into what remains unconscious. So if you go back to um, memories of the childhood, say, for example, we went through a traumatic event in our life as a child. Um, and we tend to suppress that in our subconscious mind um, because simply if you haven't been told how to process the emotions around that situation that occurred as a child, if you weren't taught to bring that on the table, kind of talk about it and work through it, then you're going to have suppressed it. Somebody ignored it because as children, of course, we rely heavily on adults to kind of help us navigate our, our life, right? Adults are very hands-on. So if we're going to constantly get the message from parents or teachers or whoever it is that's responsible for our well-being, that, you know, to deal with emotions is a weakness. We don't want to spend time. Like, we have to get up. We have to move. 
move on, let's do, let's do all of that. Then what we're learning is to neglect those emotions. And what happens then is that experience is banked, so to speak, in the unconscious. I like to use the um, analogy of a refrigerator. And I'm not sure if I've shared this with you, but my mom's a great cook. And so when she's, um, she's home, she'll cook. And then when she goes traveling, she'll make sure she fills my refrigerator with all this food. And so I go, I eat it, and then I have leftovers, and I go back and put the leftovers in the refrigerator. And I'm really bad, but I forget about the food that's in the refrigerator, and I'm bad at cleaning out that refrigerator. So when she's back like six or eight weeks later, Rachel, she'll go into my refrigerator, and she'll go back into those containers. Can you imagine what the food is going to look like six to eight weeks later? Yeah. Pretty nasty. And the reason why I use that analogy of the refrigerator is because our emotions and the unhealed traumas in our life are much like that. It's kind of like we just stashed it in, 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 our, in our mind, somewhere deep down in our unconscious. And mindfulness is a journey within where you kind of are going back inside and you're cleaning out that refrigerator. And what you're going to find is you're going to find all of these unhealed traumatic events that were unattended. And what happens, like the food that got super moldy and disgusting and nasty, those experiences now have a stench that stench inevitably has now manifested into our behaviors, into our thought patterns, in the way we interact with the world, in the way we show up in our relationships, in the way we show up in our work, in the way we even perceive ourselves. And what we don't realize is because these are so far deep embedded in our subconscious, and we didn't bring it into our conscious because the, I think the trajectory to move from the subconscious to the conscious is awareness, right? So when you use mindfulness, which is really a process of bringing awareness to that present moment, to the situation, right? If we discover something that's deep down inside our conscious, we can either be like, oh my gosh, if I bring this up to the surface and even start to deal with it on a conscious level, it's going to be re really difficult. I might as well just leave it there. Well, yeah. the more you leave it in there, it's going to continue to affect your behavior and the way you exist in the world. So... I'm not, so mindfulness is not necessarily an easy process. It is very intentional. It is very purposeful. And the person who's wanting to begin this journey has to have a level of commitment to really begin to heal and bring more awareness and more consciousness to what has remained ignored for a very long time. So I have a question. So oftentimes, like, it's really difficult for someone to just want to start in mindfulness. Like I, I'm sure there are a few people that are just like, Hey, I want to get in more into mindfulness. Maybe they went to a seminar, maybe they read a book, you know, and it intrigued them. But I feel like most of the time there is some type of a traumatic event that happens that really wakes us up. And we realize that we've been living our life on this autopilot mode and we've been our thoughts have been so toxic to us and this is when we really sit back and we're like oh shit like i need to change some things and this is when we really 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 start digging so like do you agree with that do you feel like that someone needs to necessarily go through something and doesn't have to be like traumatic but some type of an, a life event to kind of put them into that awakening to allow them to be more aware or have you encountered people who are just kind of like, I want to get more into mindfulness? What, what would be your thoughts? 
still, yes, there are a lot of people who do get into the place where they're just like, oh my gosh, I need to change something right away. And there's this deep realization and maybe they don't even know in what way and how, but there's just awareness that something needs to change. And, you know, I think the, the, it kind of clicks at the right time for everybody. What I would re recommend as a, as a mindfulness coach, and especially because I do a lot of work with children, is that the sooner you start. Mm -hmm. So if you're a parent and you haven't started your journey, I mean, now is a great time to start because what you would be able to do is you'd be able to um, uh, begin the journey of more conscious parenting as well um, and encourage also your children. I mean, mindfulness is really a practice where... Um, you know, I like to talk about the embodiment of mindfulness. So it's not just face it, crisscross, do a guided meditation, or um, let's go and attend a workshop or a seminar. That is a formal practice of mindfulness. But and, and and you can develop it routinely in your everyday life. But what happens is it's also something where you um, embody it in your everyday activities. So if you start to have dialogues with your children at an early age about mindfulness and what do we do when we feel stressed out and what happens in our bodies when we feel stressed out or angry or upset and talk about, you know, what happens in the physical body, what happens in the mind through our thoughts, um, what happens emotionally. I mean, having just like charts, you know, you have, uh, you can go to like a, a, a teacher, you know, the, the, the stores where teachers classroom supplies, for instance, and getting a chart that lists different emotions where, you know, I'm feeling happy today. I'm feeling sad today. I'm feeling frustrated. Because kids at an early age um, don't know what emotions are. I mean, they certainly experience them, but they don't understand what the trigger is or you know how they can handle it. And so to start having these conversations as early as possible, um, I think is really important. And simultaneously, then when you're having it with your kids, you're also inviting yourself to be a little bit more intentional and purposeful um, and conscious of your own emotions when they come up. So I think parents, and I'm a parent, um, obviously, you know, it's, it, we're really good at telling what our, uh, our kids to go take a time out, go focus on your breath, but kids are really mimicking how parents are dealing with stressful situations. So if mom and dad are stressful on the highway and start beating at the um, steering wheel or start cussing or start getting impatient in grocery lines, well, then they're going to think that you know, when these types of similar situations or triggers happen in their life, that is what they're supposed to do in that situation as well. So it really, you know, when I teach mindfulness to my clients, I really talk about embracing this experience, not just for yourself or the practice, not just for yourself, but as a family and starting to have conversations and dialogues about it uh, as a family. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. Um, you know, and as a nutritionist, like a lot of people think that I talk a lot about just food and like the foods we want to put in our body for nutrition and health, which is, of course, is a big part of it. We need to educate first before we get into the actual process of it. Um, but actually how we initially got connected is we were like, hey, you do mindfulness, I do nutrition, and not a, a lot of people realize how interconnected these two things truly are because, I mean food is very, very much connected with the mind, especially as a functional medicine nutritionist. I'm not just talking about the foods that we're eating. I'm also talking about the different bodily systems from our gut. I'm talking about our hormones. I'm talking about our adrenals. 
which as we know, the gut is highly connected with the mind. Um, our hormones are highly connected with our mind. Um, I was reading uh, that book by Joe Despinoza, um, Breaking the Habits of Being Yourself, and I really liked an analogy that he pointed out actually. So when thinking of how our thoughts really translate into the way that we feel in our body, he gave us um, this image of, for example, someone becoming sexually aroused. And this is one that we can all relate to because we've all experienced it. So let's say you're just sitting and you start thinking and you start thinking about, you know, <laughs> things that sexually arouse you. What yeah. happens? your body releases all these different hormones and it releases um, endorphins and what happens to our body as a result. Ta-da! <laughs> Emails, there's things that start to happen. Men, you know, our body begins to change. So we realize the power of our thoughts is actually right. changing in the body. So it's like the same thing, but we don't really realize it in other scenarios too. So when we sit there and we're thinking about, let's say, like living in the past, for example, we're reliving um, all of these past trauma. Like someone, let's say, you know, I, there was a story in the book about someone whose husband committed suicide, you know, terrible, terrible thing, awful, um, you know, and that would be traumatic for anybody to have to go through. But this woman just kept reliving that moment over, right. over and over again in her mind every single day. And, um, it affected just the way she felt in her body. And I mean, her body physically was then living in that moment of hearing the news right. of her husband committing suicide every single day. So when people would, you know, ask her like, why are you this way? Why are you always so angry, so depressed? And she'd be like, well, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, my husband committed suicide. So therefore I'm this way, but more people are like, I don't know, I'm just angry. But really what they mean is, well, this thing in my past happened 10 years ago and I've been reliving this over and over and over again in my mind every single day. Therefore, I act these behaviors every single day, which became a habit, which now became my personality as I see it today. Right. Um, so I kind of went off on a tangent there, but what I'm saying is like our thoughts kind of going back to the power that it has, it really creates our personality to an extent, yeah. who we are, which is why I'm so fascinated by this. I'm fascinated by anything that has to do with the body and the mind. Um, but kind of going back to nutrition, what I was starting to talk about is just the mindfulness of it too. So most people with today's world, what do we do when we eat? We see yeah. the TV, we're on our phones when we're eating, you know, and we're just we don't even know like what we're doing in the moment. We're not even tasting the food. We're not experiencing it. And that was one thing we were talking about is being more mindful when we're eating as well too. Well, and so, you know, with you, when you see your clients and you're, you're going to give them a meal plan and you're like, you need to eat these types of foods and these types of foods, well, they're going to go home and they're going to put on their plate exactly what you said to them. It's going to make their bodies feel good, right? They're going to lose weight or they're going to feel healthy and less fatigued and all of that good stuff. But at the same time, they might be working on a project, you know, on the laptop and they're, they're eating their food. Um, so they're not being mindful. Yes, they're being mindful of the choices of foods they're eating, but they're not being mindful about the way they're eating it. Yeah. And I think the way they're eating it is also um, a process. We talk about mindfulness and we're talking about the formal and informal practices of mindfulness. 
formal sauce, applesauce going to work our class. Informal is incorporating and embodying mindfulness in your everyday eating is one of the main one of the things we do in autopilot all the time. You use that word several times. It's a great word um, because it's just our typical reaction. Of, you know, we're constantly as a as a society in the doing mode, and we pride ourselves in multitasking. You know, and uh, mindfulness is one thing where it's not the goal isn't to multitask. The goal is to actually work very specifically and intentionally on that one task. So if you're going to spend 30 minutes of time eating, then eat your food and experience the food and pick it up in your hands and notice the texture of it and um, pay attention to the colors of it. And so bringing the five senses alive as much as you possibly can, very intentionally, very consciously, because when we talk about autopilot, there's a few things we do on autopilot. We're breathing on autopilot. We wake up in the morning, kind of just take that breath for granted. It's there. We're going to go about doing our work. But to bring awareness to the breath when we're practicing mindfulness, um, when we're practicing um, uh, formal um, mindfulness, bringing the attention to the breath on purpose, really noticing the flow of your inhale and your exhale, seeing if it's deep, seeing if it's shallow, seeing if it's fast, seeing if it's slow. That's very intentional. Um, another thing we take, and other things we take for granted, for example, are the five senses, you know? Um, yeah, I can see that tree outside my window right now, but to really go and intentionally use my sense of sight to go and see and explore and to become curious. Mindfulness is a process of curiosity. I like to think of it as a childlike curiosity. When we were children, we had a childlike curiosity about everything. Like a child would slow down, stop, pick up that leaf, and really be in awe by this leaf and just look at it and touch it and look at the colors and see how it feels, you know? Um, but we're like, it's just a leaf. But to go on a walk, like if we're going on, I live by Katy Trail. You can go on Katy Trail and do your brisk walk or your run or whatever mindfully, or you can do it on autopilot. You know, and so it's a completely different experience because there's a sense of awe, curiosity, and just wow. There's a wow factor in doing things more mindfully because you realize things that you may never have noticed before about something, and you're like, oh, I notice that now. Yeah, and <clears throat> what emotions and or do you think that people experience when they begin to be more mindful on a day-to-day -day basis? I know. Personally, for myself, when I am more mindful or I'm more present in the moment, I actually feel a lot more emotions of gratitude. I feel a lot higher emotions of um, happiness and joy just in general as well, too, versus when my thoughts are just sporadic, which I can easily go there. I feel like sometimes my mind goes like a million a million miles a minute, like I can't even sometimes keep up. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here, and I'm here, I'm here, which is why people try to do the multitasking, what you're talking about, because if we try to do everything with where our mind goes, we're like, I need to do this, I need to do this, because we're just listening to our mind. So it's really like our mind's in control of us, where it's like we need to become more in control of our mind and saying, I'm going to be mindful and I'm going to be focusing on this one thing. I actually read the book, um, uh, The One Thing, and it was about focusing on one thing. Oftentimes people think that they're more productive and they get more done being multitasking, but really what they're doing is you're, they're just half-assing a bunch of different things all at once. Yeah. 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 And uh, when we're 
just being mindful and we're focusing on one thing, we're going to do one thing just at that higher level. So just focus on that one thing and do it at such a great level and then move on to the next thing. And those are the people who are like really, really successful. They're not doing a bunch of little things and half-assing it all at once. They're just being very, very mindful in the present moment. Um, but I guess like what my question was saying is, I guess the emotions that you experience and like as to why this is, why we want to be more mindful too. It's, I think it just, it heightens everything just to that greater level of what we're experiencing and it's being present because all we really have is the now. Like we can think back and dwell on the past and you know, there is an ex Ex there's an extent of doing that which is good because we can um, kind of take note of different past experiences and how that's affected us and learn from it you know and I think there's the positives of looking into the future too you know if there are certain goals that we have or things we want to manifest in our life but I think ultimately we're so focused on those two things too much we're focused on living in the past you know and we're focused on what I'm going to do next and we're not really here in this present moment and that just takes away from happiness right now. Absolutely because we're constantly wanting more. We're um, living a life where there's, uh, we constantly feel like we need something and when we talk about the need then ultimately we are facing there's a void in our life in the situation right now and we need to fill it with something. We need to fill it with if I just had this much more money, or if I just had that job, or if I lived in that neighborhood, or if I could just do this, there's a constant, like, there's a delay in satisfaction and fulfillment and gratitude. Um, I would just be a little bit happier if I had this. Um, and so it takes away from the importance of right now. You're going to continuously chase after what you think, where you think you're almost going to be, or where you have to be, and this is constant chasing, you forget about here. I think that we're so goal-oriented often, where we set goals and those are important, but we want to know how quickly we're going to get to that end goal rather than understanding or even appreciating the journey there, you know? Um, Why do we do that? Why is it that, like, what, what am I trying to say? Constant, because we constantly want to be gratified. The mind has a philosophy, I think, that we need to fix things this situation right now is not right, right? We need to fix it in order to be at that next level of satisfaction. Okay, we got it here. Like we're not happy at A, we need to be at Z, you know? Or we need to be at least at P. But like, okay, what if we go, what, we're, what does A look like? Um, and because we know that that practice of mindfulness is so difficult, um, what I want to say also is that Mindfulness teaches us a deep appreciation in a way that we become very compassionate for that person or the practice or the emotion that's coming up or the experience we've had. Um, the level of compassion that we build, we learn to um, experience for ourselves, and then in turn, when we witness other people's quote-unquote imperfections, we have compassion for them too. Um, because... You know, I'll give you an example, right? Uh, you know, when, when it comes to breakups, we somehow, psychologically, somehow define some kind of a timeline within which we have to be um, okay by now. By now, you should be okay. I mean, a breakup happened like five months ago or five years ago or whatever. By now, you should be fine. <coughs> and it's like, 
why do we why do we give ourselves that timeline? What is that timeline? I mean, that timeline would be different for you or for me or for anybody. Um, but just you know, it could be five years. No, I have I you know I've been triggered often um, where a memory comes up or whether it's a song or whether it's a restaurant that I'm eating at and you know I go back and I'm like oh I remember we had had this meal here or you know this had happened or we had celebrated a birthday and you notice emotions coming up and in that moment do tears come up maybe maybe they do and if they do is that okay well no I shouldn't be crying why am I crying I mean you know or we try and mask it and that in that moment it's really important to bring awareness to the fact that you got triggered because you visited this restaurant again or that song played. And then as a result of that trigger, certain emotions came up and just being that emotion and being very non-judgmental of the fact that it's coming up for you. You're, you're just allowing to, to just sit with it for a little while. You know, and, 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 it, and it's the fine balance between holding onto it and letting it completely break your heart or just watching it kind of like a cloud. I use the analogy of clouds. You know, when you go outside, it's a beautiful day. There are a few clouds scattered in there. You notice one cloud looks like an elephant, but in the next moment, it doesn't look like an elephant anymore. It might look like a heart. And in the next moment, it might look like an airplane. But like that, just like clouds are shifting, your emotions are also like clouds, where allow them to just say, okay, it looks like sadness right now. It might look like anger right now, and now the anger has shifted to sadness, and now the sadness has kind of shifted to joy because I remember we had that funny conversation about it and we laughed about it. So allow yourself to be the blocks of the emotion, and it'll be okay. You don't have to suppress, you don't have to pretend like it didn't happen. You don't have to do any of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, one thing I, I struggle with, and I think a lot of us struggle with, is just living also in this state of unknown. I think as humans, we want to know what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. And we want to predict everything. And we want to happen to have it to happen our way. And it's something I've truly struggled with. Um, you know, I'm very, I've been very much most of my life a routine person. You know, I set a goal, I'm going to get my goal, I'm going to go for it. So for me, living in this place of unknown where it's been, it's been challenging, but it's also been very, very liberating as well too. But I can also say that some of the most incredible things that have happened in my life, there were things that were not planned as well too. So although is that we want to try to plan everything and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this and this is going to lead to this. You know, we don't want our life to just, we don't want to know everything that's going to always happen in our life because then it's just that autopilot. It's the same old, it's the same old, it's the same things we did yesterday because if we can predict it, it's really nothing new. I think um, COVID is amazing. Um, it's doing things for us in a manner where we're forced, we're being forced to stay indoors. We're going through social isolation. We cannot conduct ourselves in the office setting the way we normally would. Um, we're having to rely on alternative means of still staying in touch and communicating and working. Um, but you're right, because you said earlier that there's certain things that you may not have noticed that you could do or would be relevant or would be of use or you could implement. Like for me, I teach my mindfulness classes, you know, in a, in, in, in a, like a classroom setting. Mm -hmm. And I've been procrastinating on the whole online thing. Well, what am I doing now? 
with COVID, am I going to stop my business? Am I going to say, oh my God, it's not going to work? Am I going to freak out? I'm going to be like, no, I can explore this alternative means and be creative with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just find ways of being in this situation in the best way that I can without any judgment. But it's amazing. I think the, I think the chaos, yes, it's come from the, from, the, from the fact that people are getting sick. But I think the, 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 the bigger stress factor for everybody is they're feeling really out of control right now. Like, oh, this is, I'm used to doing this. I'm used to going and going to the, this bar. I'm used to going to work. And their routine, the things they do on autopilot on a day-to-day basis has been broken. And they're like, now what do I do with my life? You know, and I I wrote this post the other day and I'm like, this is your time. I'm like, this is your time, you know, with your business, like sit back, reevaluate it, you know, and come back better at the end of this, you know, look back in your relationships. I think COVID has definitely given us an eye opening to what's really important and the people we care about most. So how can we show up better for those people in our lives? Our health, hello, it's been a huge wake up call for that and that we need to take our health more seriously because the people who are more at risk are the people who are unhealthy and haven't been taking care of themselves. So I think it's been a big wake up call. And there's been a lot of the positives, like a pray to God that like, this never happens again by any means. Um, I mean, no one wants to go into a pandemic and you know see other people get sick. But I think there's also been a lot of things that we've been able to learn through this. And it's, it's, been, it's been an awakening, if anything, for yeah. a lot of people um, as well, too. So for for somebody who let's say they've never heard of mindfulness until listening to this podcast here today, you know, they may have heard about meditation, but what are like just some tips that you would give somebody who's wanting to learn more about mindfulness and get into it a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, I'm just going to share a few tips and um, I know you can't see me because we don't have the video feature, but I'm going to describe it as best as possible. So just wake up in the morning very intentionally with, um, with a purposeful intention to begin your mindfulness journey and um, be open to kind of shifting some of the, um, you know, your, your routines, so to speak. I'm not saying routines are not bad, but implement a routine where before putting your feet on the ground, um, focus on your breath. And because breath is such a huge tool in mindfulness, um, awareness of the breath, instead of taking for granted that you're breathing and it's just happening in the background, um, you can get into your laying down position, like you're getting ready for bed, go ahead and put one um, of your hands on your belly, another one on your heart, and just kind of observe your breath at that moment. You can choose to do this with your eyes closed, um, and you just observe your breath, and notice how you're breathing. Like, what is the flow of your breath looking like? Is it fast or is it slow? Is it deep or is it shallow? But as you focus on your breath, you'll also notice, you know, that your hands you know, especially the one on your belly is going to be moving up and down. So as you breathe in, what happens to that belly? When you breathe out, what happens? So there's a rising and falling of the belly as you breathe in and out. And just watch that flow and let your hand witness that. And let your hand become familiar with what happens to your physical body when you are breathing in and out. With the hand on your heart, you will also notice that your heart, you'll be able to place your hand on your, uh, on your heart where you'll be able to feel the heart beating. And if you were a little bit more active before you were going to bed, um, your heart rate might be up. 
But then as you continue to breathe and your body starts to get into a more relaxed state because your breathing is also getting relaxed, your heart rate might also start to relax a little bit more as well. Um, so just observing that and observe that without any trying to change it or alter it. Um, just observe it for what it is. It's another way of anchoring in that present moment and just being really in tune with your breath and let that calm you down and just, you know, put you to, to, um, to fall asleep. Um, you can play some gentle um, uh, music on uh, YouTube, for instance, some meditation music. Um, you can certainly do that while you're falling asleep just to calm you down. Um, and oftentimes, you know, they say, you know, if you try and meditate before you go to bed, you will fall asleep. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. If you are at that moment having a hard time falling asleep, that's okay. Um, but, you know, those are a few tips. Um, listeners uh, who want to uh, pursue uh, mindfulness, there's a lot of resources online. I'd be happy to reach out to me um, and share the, the contact information as well. Yeah, I'll definitely post um, your website or any social media handles. So what would be a good place for people to find more information on the mindfulness that you currently do? So you can contact me on www. Well, check out my website, www.mindfulnessmeditationseries.com. Um, I'm going to be putting there some resources. I have a free meditation on there right now. Um, you can also go on my uh, YouTube channel where I have some uh, guided meditations over there as well. And then I'm seeing clients, given that we're, you know, um, with Corona and social isolation and all of that good stuff, I'm offering online classes as well. So they're welcome to reach out to me as well. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, free meditation right now. And I think we could all use some more mindfulness. I mean, definitely on a day-to-day -day basis, but especially right now with everything that's going around with the coronavirus, with the panicking and the fear, just getting some extra help grounding yourself. Like she, like she said, she has some free resources out there that you guys can check out. If you want to work with her one-on-one, -on -one, you can look into that as well too. So I'll definitely be posting links to all of her information here along with this podcast. I also want to share a really cool video that kind of dives into mindfulness that Farahana shared with me right before today, or right before our session um, here doing this recording, and it's called This is Water by David Foster, and it was a really, really cool video that she shared with me um, just talking about the day-to-day -day autopilot mode that most of us fall into and how we can you know, change that and what really mindfulness is. So I really liked that video that you shared with me because it just painted, I think, a really good picture of what most of us experience on a day-to-day -day basis with our monotonous routine. So thank you so much, Farhana, for coming on my podcast. It's been amazing, amazing to chat with you. We'll definitely have to do a follow-up. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to continuing to work with you with my own journey as well. Sure, absolutely. And if you have kids, um, I'm really passionate about working with kids. I think that just comes from the fact that I'm a mom as well. Um, and I work with my son, my, who's eight years old now. Um, so check out also my book. It's called Doing and Being. And Rachel will share the link of um, how you can get that. It's available on Amazon. And another really good children's book that's super awesome that I definitely love and use with my classes, in addition, of course, to my own, is called Moody Cow Meditates. And um, I'll show you that picture. <laughs> Yeah. So Moody Cow Meditates um, is by Carrie Lee um, McLean, and it's a very, very good book. And so we can share that information um, when you share all the rest of it as well.
So, but thanks again so much for having me, and I've enjoyed being here, and I enjoy. I'm looking forward to continuing the journey with your mindfulness as well. So, stay well and blessed, everybody. Yes, thank you. Thank you, everyone, Thanks. so much for listening. Um, if you haven't subscribed yet to my podcast, you definitely need to do so. Sheer Madness. We put out content every single month. So thank you again for listening, and stay healthy, everyone.